to have brother and sister flowers with us today and I want Sister Flowers to get ready to testify here in a minute. Uh, I just appreciate their help and what they've been involved in helping us with the different activities and things that we're doing. But uh, I'm tremendously excited for how the Lord is working. Uh, new Bible studies are being established. Small groups are going to be put together. Uh, if you're interested, we're looking at doing maybe a Wednesday or a Thursday night at Northtown Coffee, a home Bible study group. And there, but get a hold of me if you're interested in that. My wife and I would be teaching that one there. Tuesday night is Bible study here. You'll say, well, that's a lot of Bible study. Well, not everybody can make nights because of work. So we're trying to provide more nights, different nights, that we know not everybody would be there, but there would be a group that could make that night that couldn't make maybe a Tuesday night. So again, our goal and desire is that you come to know Jesus in a very real and personal way and that we would be able to teach and train you uh, how to read your Bible, how to study your Bible. Brother Kyle approached me this morning about putting a class together just on how to study the Bible, how to look up different subjects, uh, different books of the Bible, what they mean, who wrote them, uh, some things like that. So we're looking at trying to get uh, more and more training and teaching out there and helping you uh, accomplish what God has called you to do. We want to equip you into that ministry. Everybody has a calling in this place. Everybody has a ministry in this place. No exceptions to the rule. But maybe you just need a little more help in learning scripture and what it would take to get to that place. But, but we want you to be able to do that. Sister Lynn, would you come and... Appreciate them so much. Kim said, oh, do you want to play? I, was like, I can't play and talk at the same time. <laughs> um, it's so good to be here. Um, it's awesome to be here. Um, thankful for you all. I love the, the energy and the passion of your church. Um, a giving church, I, I truly believe, is a revival church. A giving church. And I, I just so appreciate the passion of the leadership that has, has taught you that way and continues to encourage you. Um, my dad and I recently, we were talking on the, on the phone and oh, man, I can't remember what we were talking about, but, uh, he was like, yeah, you know, we're going to bring brother Johnston and he's gonna start training our ministers. And I was like, I know we need that. <laughs> we love his good practical teaching. And I, I, I was listening to him talk in the prayer room this morning about how, you know, we need to do all these different groups and reach people where they're at. And that is what we need is we need practical teaching practical instruction. And that's one of my favorite things about some of the material that I've seen in the anger management classes or the parenting classes. And I think that more than ever, we're needing that, you know, not everybody grew up in a Christian home and, and that's how it should be. We want people in our church who did not grow up in a Christian home. That's the way we want it to look. You know, that means there's new people. And because of that, not everybody's been trained, you know, not everybody had a great parent. And, um, sometimes I think in the past, we assume that everybody just knows how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to be, but that takes practical coming alongside you and, and teaching. And I just, I'm thankful for that today. And I appreciate that about brother Johnstone and, and what's been set in place here. So. Amen. Why don't you stand with me?
turn to 1 John chapter 4. I don't know what all the Lord wants to do and say today, but I know he's, he's talking and I know he wants to say some stuff. So let's listen, amen? amen. Everybody just say, uh-oh, uh -oh. because we need to get that part out of the way. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. I'll preface it a little bit more. I love you all. I love what my wife was just saying, the, the work of, of the church and, and this congregation uh, is wonderful to see. The, the ministry that goes out from this body is needful and it's good. I'm thankful for that. If I could, I'll, I would keep trying to... To talk nice because I want you to know I'm not in a bad mood and I want you to know that I love you I think nothing but great things about you and I'm gonna keep stalling until I feel like you think I'm not mad at you because we have some word to read first John 4 and 20 if a man say I love God if a man says, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. Is that what your Bible says? Good. I'm glad I'm not alone. If a man says, I love God, and that man hates his brother, that man is a liar. The part that he's lying about is the part where he says, I love God. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? You can be seated. Stay in First John chapter 4. I want to skip back. First John, John chapter 4 and verse... Actually, let's jump down to verse 6. 1 John 4 and 6. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth. Everyone say truth. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God. And knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. 
Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your spirit that we feel here today. We're thankful, Lord, for the ways that you want to move and speak today. We pray, God, have your way among us. We just want to be like you, God. We just want to know your word, your voice, your truth. We can do nothing without you, Lord. We can do nothing without you, Lord Jesus. Let your will be done here today in Jesus' name. As we were worshiping, as we were worshiping and, and, and singing to the Lord, uh, I was just praising him and I, I, I made a statement in my worship uh, that kind of, a, I don't know if you ever do this, but sometimes I say stuff and then think about what I just said after I said it. And that's uh, probably not a, a wise uh, precedent, but when I'm praying, I'm okay with that because I know I'm just trying to express what's inside here. And as I'm worshiping and praising, I know that the Lord will allow things to come out of my spirit. And if it's between he and I, I'm okay with that. And sometimes he'll let things come out that then he'll be like, think about what you just said. Did you catch what you just said? Or, 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 or. So what I was saying when, when I was worshiping the Lord, I said, Lord, all I need is your word. And then I stopped and, and I thought, <laughs> you ever do that? You stop and think? Because as soon as I said it and I professed it and I knew that it was true, because I did, again, it, it didn't just originate in, in my head. And I'm, what, what are the great things that I can say to praise God? No, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking along those lines. I was just trying to worship with an open and sincere heart. And that came out. All I need is your word. And then I thought, wait, <laughs> I don't know that that's necessarily true. I, and I, I'm kind of having a back and forth between myself as we're, we're worshiping God. And, and he, he took me in my, in my mind to the passage of Scripture, the setting when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by the devil. And we know, I guess you could say, in, in what we know of his life and his walk, this was a, a point where he was kind of at his lowest. He had been fasting for a long period of time. He was weak in his, in his humanity. He was weak in his flesh. And the devil, knowing that timing, I would say, uh, comes along and tries to tempt him in all these different ways he's tempting him. And each time Jesus says, it is written, it's written. This is the word, the word of God says. And that was all that he was using as his defense towards the attacks of the enemy. And so I thought again, I think that's a pretty good and true, accurate statement, Lord. All I need is your word. If the word of God can get the man, Christ Jesus, through such a trial, through such a difficult situation and circumstance, all he used was the word of God then why would I think, no, I probably could use some more of this too. Well, it would be good if I had a little bit of this in my back pocket and just in case I can pull that out whenever I need it. I need some of this over here. I need some of... What, what is that going to do for me? At what, at what situation, what point in my life could I possibly need something other 
than his word. It's a substitute if that's what I'm leaning on. So here in this passage, in 1 John 4, he's talking about loving one another. Turn back to the book of John, chapter 3. The Gospel of John. If, if we say we love God and we don't love each other, it's what the Bible said, we are not telling the truth. And what, what I need, what I'm interested in, what we have to have is the truth. So I know you've heard this verse, John 3 and 16, but I want to I read this to you and I want to point it out to you and then I want to talk about who's saying what to whom as we read this verse, because John 3.16 alone is not the gospel that this world needs. It's part of it, but it's, since it's such just a popular verse, and, and most people can, can reference it, might even be able to quote it, but couldn't tell you much more about it other than that's what the Bible says. So first John, uh, sorry, the gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 16, it says, so, For God so loved... The world. If you've got one of these Bibles that has red letters in the words of Christ, this is in red. This is him talking. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world. This is how much God loved the world. The, the setting in which we're reading this verse. In the, if, you, if you look at the, the chapter of chapter 3 as a whole, you realize in early stages of the chapter, Jesus goes to a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus, it says he was a teacher of, of the law. He knew the Old Testament law, and he was wise in that. Yeah. And he, Nicodemus, comes to Jesus with a profession of, of faith. We know, Jesus, that you are a man sent from God. That's the, the term that he used. Because nobody else can do the miracles that you're doing. That's the only explanation for who you are and how you can do what it is that we've seen you do. You have to be a man that's sent from God. That's good. We thank the Lord for that. That's, that's, that's Nicodemus making a confession and a statement about who he sees how this man is doing these things. But Jesus 
in response to that, says, you must be born again. It's not enough for you to come to me and say, I know who you are, Lord. I believe that you are a man sent from God. Except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. I'm seeing the kingdom of God. I'm seeing it because I'm, see- I'm watching you do these awesome things. And I know and I'm confessing. It, it couldn't be happening unless you were a man sent from God. So can't you just give me credit for the fact that I am saying and acknowledging God sent to you? Nope. Except you be born again, you can't see it. You're, I, you're, you're telling me what you're seeing with your eyes in the natural. You're seeing a man do miracles. But except you be born again, you're just going to be watching a man do, pardon this term, magic. That's what it's going to look like. A, a, a guy go over here and, and heal someone or a guy go over here and, and, and turn this water into wine. And to you in your natural eye, it looks like tricks, trickery, awesome, cool, fun stuff. Wait, no, 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 no. I, I'm saying I'm taking it a step further and saying I admit, I acknowledge the fact that you are sent to us from God because Nobody else can do this stuff that you're doing. That was just the starting point. That's what Jesus is saying. Unless you are born again, and specifically born of the water and of the Spirit, you can't see it. You can't enter it. You cannot be a part of the kingdom of God. So that's, that's where we're working our way towards in, in verse 16. God so loved the world, okay? But that's the beginning part of this chapter. Then he proceeds to tell Nicodemus why he's being so hard on him, if I can put it that way. Why it's difficult for men to just come and confess, you're, you're a man sent from God, no, you've got to go through these further steps, these, this process here. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen. And ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Kind of sounds like the point that John was making in the other chapter about if you can't love someone that you've seen, how are you going to love someone you haven't seen? And here the point that Jesus is making is, you don't believe the things that we're, we're telling you are true. 
You don't believe this. So how can you believe and understand and comprehend something that you have not seen? And note verse, verse 13. This, this verse is a Bible study in itself. John 3 and 13. And no man, everyone say no man. Say it again so I know you're listening. No man. No man hath ascended up to heaven. This is Jesus telling Nicodemus about some heavenly things here, okay? Let me let, let, me let you in on a little secret, Nicodemus. No man has ascended up to heaven, but except for he that came down from heaven. No one has ever gone up there except he that came down from there. Even, in case you missed it, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And okay, I'm going to stop for a minute and try to make sure we grasp this. Because who again is saying these words? Jesus is saying these words while he's standing on the earth talking to another man. Me, only me, the Son of Man, only I have gone up to heaven, have come down from heaven. By the way, when he says, which is in heaven, how, how, how is he tell? You're not going to stand here and tell me, Brother Beto, you're not going to tell me right now that you're at your house. I'm not going to believe you. You're not going to come to me and say, I'm checking out this awesome property. It's another house I'm thinking about buying. And I'm there right now. Hang on. Uh, no, no, you're not. You're standing right here in this room with me. Nobody has gone and seen that house except for me. And I'm the one that went there and I'm the one that just got back from there. And I'm still there. That does not compute in our natural mind. But that is exactly what Jesus just told Nicodemus. No man has gone up or come down except me who is in heaven. I'm just letting this cook for a little bit here. It's kind of like the smell of bacon. Is that what your Bible says? The Son of Man, which is in heaven. Verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. This is Jesus referring back to the time when the children of Israel were in the desert. Do you remember this? Snakes started biting the precious children of Israel. The Lord says to Moses, we'll, we'll, we'll fix this. I have a plan. 
Make a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, lift it up. That's what Jesus is talking about still to Nicodemus in this conversation after he just said that stuff about the Son of Man which is in heaven. Even so, and and so, just as Moses did that back in the day and those people were healed, the Son of Man must be lifted up. He's, He's referring to how and when he's going to die on a cross. So this is further back in John chapter 3, okay? You're not going to convince me that the man Jesus Christ did not see his death coming. He's talking about it here himself. The same way that Moses did that, that's going to happen to the, the Son of Man, which is me, myself. What he's doing is giving revelation to Nicodemus. He's, he's, he's imparting wisdom to Nicodemus. In a one-on-one session, he's telling Nicodemus about who he is, why he's there, what's going to happen with his life. He's giving revelation. Thank the Lord for revelation. Verse 15, here's why. That whosoever believeth in him, that whosoever believeth in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's why I'm here. That's why there is a ruckus going on in Israel right now. The state of Jerusalem, the things that we're seeing, my men, my disciples that are following me, and all this weird and crazy stuff that's happening that makes no sense right now. This is why. Because we're working to a point to where through the work that God does, men will be able to have eternal life. Such as you have never seen before. I'm going to read verse 15 one more time. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 16, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Verse 17, it says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. Nicodemus is coming from a 
the rest of the masters of Israel. That's what the term that Jesus used. He's coming from those, I would say, daily and probably weekly and, and f- frequent meetings of the men of Israel trying to figure out what's going on, what to do with this man that they've all been introduced to, but they're not very comfortable with the fact that they know him and what he's there to do and what he's doing to their way of life. The, the mo- I'm trying to help you here. The moment you introduce even elements, parts of the gospel to someone who has not known and heard and seen the gospel before, these same wills start turning. Hang on. If that's who he is, if that's the truth, and that's what this means, then how does that? Let me process that with the rest of everything that I've seen and done and been told and learned. And how do these things fit together? We're talking about truth. Everyone say truth. We're talking about truth. How does truth fit in with the rest of the world? And Jesus is telling Nicodemus, this is why I am here. This is who is standing before you. This is why you have to be born again. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. If he, for those that don't believe, they're, they're condemned already is what it says. They are already condemned through the fact that they do not believe. But rewind the tape a little bit further and you'll see exactly why they are condemned already. See, the gospel is for everyone. David said it. Behold, I was shapen in sin, in iniquity. We talked about this last week, those of you that were here. David talking about the Lord formed me and knew me in the womb. And he knew my substance and all the things that made up for me. That's the same guy that said, I was shapen in iniquity. At the same time as when I was being formed, I was already sinful in iniquity, in my sin. That will not fly very well in 2019. I'm going to go out on a limb and say in 2020 it won't either. To tell someone, I don't care who you are. I don't care what language you speak. I don't care who your parents are. I don't care about any of that. I have to tell my own five children this, okay? I don't care who you are. 
you, as a human, are born into sin. Now, here's the good news. The gospel. Here is the good news. There is a man who did something about that. He's already done it. He did something about that. He came and died on a cross to take away your sin. Here's where the rubber meets the road. He that believeth is not condemned. But he that believeth not is already condemned. This, I'm telling you what, this goes a lot further than how someone responds to the gospel and to the word of God. I mean, that, that's why we are here. This is why you and I can share these things. And it's a, why we play such an important part to get them to that point. But this is, like I said, this is why when you start sharing these elements of the gospel and the wheels start to turn, it's because I didn't hear about this on day one. I didn't come out of the womb being preached to. I didn't go from the hospital to the baptism tank and start speaking in tongues. I was a baby just babbling. I didn't know these things. So from some point at the time that I started to grow and learn and experience and get this thing that we call flesh and start to live after the flesh, live according to the flesh, there is an inherent dilemma. Verse 19, and this is the condemnation. But not that they don't believe. Not that the... Mm. Not that the preacher didn't do a good enough job of explaining the scripture. Not that your first Bible study didn't go so well. That's not the condemnation. This is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light. This is still Jesus, still talking to Nicodemus. Here's the condemnation. Here's the problem. He that believes, there is no condemnation. To he that does not believe, there is already condemnation. Because light is coming to the world, but men preferred darkness over light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. Why do the, why do the children 
run and hide when the parents come into the room. Well, if they were doing nothing wrong, they probably won't run and hide. Oh, I'm so happy you're home. I'm so happy you're here. Let me show you what I've been working on. Look at this pretty picture I drew. That's good. That's positive. But if what they were doing was not so good and positive, they prefer for those deeds to go unknown. Light has come into the world. And men have loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Were evil. Were. This is not... Okay. Thankful, time out. Jesus did not go to Nicodemus and say, I'm going to tell you how bad you are and I'm going to tell you everything you've ever done wrong. He didn't do that. But Nicodemus, at one point in the past, when I, the truth, the light... When I was brought into the world, men, side note, you are a man, but your kind, your your people, chose to, to stay in darkness rather than light because of your, there, you alls, y'alls. Because of men's evil deeds. Verse 20. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light. That his deeds may be made manifest. Up until this point, truth was just a concept. It was just an abstract Something you might hear on a word that you would never think about. But Jesus says, he that doeth truth. He that doeth truth. Not he that believeth truth. Not he that says truth. He that doeth. What what does that mean? What do I have to do? I mean, truth is just... (laughs) I haven't read it yet, so I'm not... uh, 
I'm, I'm not going to endorse it. But I, I got a book at the library for the kids that says Two Truths and a Lie. And it's probably going to be one of those things you look at it and I don't know. <laughs> but that title just jumped into my head. Two Truths and a Lie. So truth, what, what, is that, what does it mean to do truth? He that doeth truth. Well, what did he start this chapter by saying? You must be. You must be. You must become. You have to do something. To become. To be. You have to do. You must be born again. This is Jesus further explaining and answering Nicodemus's question, can a man be born a second time? Look back at John chapter 1. I'm going to try to come to a close. Just where you're sitting, would you pray with me real fast? Lord, God, I believe you're here. You're speaking to your people today. We love you, Lord Jesus. Our desire is to please you. In the name of Jesus, we want Christ to be formed in us. We desire for your truth to be formed in us, Lord. I thank you for loving me and sharing these things with me, God. I thank you for the work you've already done for me on Calvary. I'm thankful, Lord, that you would die and, and shed your blood to take away my sin. I'm thankful for that, Jesus. One of those scriptures that we read in 1 John, it says, God is love. God is love. Everyone say, God is love. I'm not going to take the time to read this today, but 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The Lord knows we might hear that at another point. But I encourage you to, to go and read and study 1 Corinthians chapter 13 because it talks further about love. It explains it. It, it, it really, it shows if you have love. John 1 and 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, 
and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. In him was life. I want you to get that because we're about to introduce another concept here because we just started by talking about in the beginning, in creation. All things were made by him and in him was life. And the life was the light of men. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness. All of a sudden, we're not talking about the same in the beginning as Genesis 1.1, When it says darkness was on the face of the deep and he said, let there be light and there was light. And that just lit up the world that he was creating. Here, when it says the light shineth in darkness, this is the darkness that he's talking about to Nicodemus when he says, men loved darkness rather than light. Darkness conceals. It hides. And if you've got something you want to be concealed or hidden, you like that fact about the darkness. Why don't you stand with me?